Hi, everybody. Welcome to Walton Biz Talk, where we have casual conversations about professional things. We're a student-run podcast created by the Business Communication Lab in the Sam M. Walton College of Business. I'm Ryan Decker. And I'm Jesse Schneeblen. And this season, we're exploring the topic of health. We're going to explore a lot of different interdisciplinary approaches to the subject of health and really see what it is and why it's an important topic to discuss. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Walton Biz Talk. Today we're here with Samia Ismail and Olga Holkriakova. Uh, Olga is a graduate student studying public health and community health promotion, and Samia is an undergraduate student studying biomedical engineering, and she is also a Truman Scholar. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, just to get started, can we just hear a little bit from you? Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> sure. Well, uh, uh, like Ryan mentioned, my name is Samia Ismail. I'm a senior biomedical engineering student um, interested in health, public policy, and healthcare access. Um, and it's sort of like infiltrated my college career in, in many different ways, including my um, political involvement. Uh, like you mentioned before, my Truman application, I actually wrote an entire um, public policy agenda in order to like improve how Medicaid is administered in Arkansas. Um, and then currently in my biomedical senior design project, my team is working on a way to make um, healthcare more accessible to the Marshallese population in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, yeah, my name is Olga. I'm from Russia, from Moscow. Uh, I'm a Fulbright scholar and a graduate student in public health, as was mentioned. Uh, I'm a social entrepreneur and doing a project um, called Same Sport. This is basically a database of sport clubs for people with disabilities. It has been working in Moscow for almost three years now. And uh, it's a website where uh, you can see on a map in which places, what kind of sports for people with disabilities are. And you can see contact numbers, some pictures, descriptions, so that people can go to one website and find information, just what opportunities they have. Because the problem was just this informational gap between people and opportunities. And now I'm developing this project here. So I want to open chapter in Arkansas, and I hope to do it this year, um, also with support of Clinton Foundation, with to which uh, pro the program my project was accepted to participate this year. Um, and just the aim is to make this kind of worldwide platform so that people from different countries, different cities, towns, er everywhere could just have at least information about opportunities. And after this, after this basic thing as information, I want to, uh, the aim is to like make society more inclusive by promoting inclusive sports. So after this, I want to understand how inclusive sports works, how to connect people with and without disabilities and then maybe other minorities and population around sports because sports is the best way to, um, to build these equal connections, equal relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing I really like about that is it's not just uh, just for people with disabilities, right? It's for everyone. Mm -hmm. I know I've had experience in the past with wheelchair tennis. So I played tennis, but I'd always seen on TV wheelchair tennis. And I'm like, hmm, that looks a lot harder than actual tennis. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to try it one time, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And it's something, it's a totally different sport, right? It has its own set of challenges. And, and so it's, I really like how you include everyone in that, uh, where everyone gets a chance to participate in these sports and it's not like one person um, just you know 
just it's just for people with disabilities or something like that yeah this is very important it's just the main thing about what i'm doing is to to work in about inclusion not develop just a project for people with disabilities as you said because um this is a good thing and this should be done but i see my um purpose in promoting inclusion um yeah so this is this is really important and uh but i think that just before making this inclusion um i'm trying to build this first network because there is just no network in general about sports but it is yeah it's crucial just to make inclusive sports it's just very important for project and it is the main aim of it mm. mm-hmm. i want i, I kind of want to get into these projects that y'all are working on um and I, I want to start with you, Simia, if you want to tell us a little bit about your senior design project. Uh, you said you're working to make healthcare more accessible to the Marshallese population here in Northwest Arkansas. So can, I kind of want to hear from both of you, like, how did you get involved with these programs? Like, where did you start initially? Yeah, so actually, uh, the biomedical engineering program at the University of Arkansas is trying to become more of an interdisciplinary major as it is. So the way that I first got exposed to this problem was in a class of mine. It was called um, uh, Clinical Needs Finding. And basically, it's a brand new class that they've started where they send juniors out to shadow different uh, medical venues. So this can include like dentist's office, a variety of doctor's office and healthcare providers in the Northwest Arkansas area. And our job is basically to just like survey the healthcare providers and the patients and basically anyone who will talk to us about like what issues mm-hmm. they're finding on like a day-to-day basis in yeah. their this healthcare is administration. Dr. Hannah Jensen's yep. project yes. and she's going to join us on the podcast in a future episode so yes. we'll get to hear a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. But she's done a great job like getting this class off the ground and it's the purpose of the class is to sort of act as an intro into biomedical senior design so that instead of getting assigned a project students are actually finding their own projects and then seeing them through till mm-hmm. the end. Um, so that's luckily what was able, what I was able to, to, to do. Yeah. 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 Did you already have an interest in like, what brought you to the health field or biomedical engineering in general? Like, so it's kind of a weird, like I, I, I joined biomedical engineering because I was dead set on doing research. And even though I still love genetic research and genetic engineering, which is the aspect of biomed that I that I am the most interested in, um, I've since deviated from that original plan quite drastically into public policy. Um, but I've always been interested in healthcare. Uh, my mom's a doctor, so it's a world that I sort of like always grew up in and was most familiar with. Um, so yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I applied yeah. actually as a biomedical engineering really? major. <laughs> yeah. And the- so I switched before I even got here, but I was definitely, I was interested in like organ printing yeah. back in the day. Yeah. But. And the thing that I like about the major is that it's so like, um, it's so inclusive that like, even though my interest changed so much over the course of four years, I was still able to find a way to like, um, pursue them within the major, if that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So Olga, how did you get interested in, in this? Uh, I think it's it's a it looks like a journey because it started with just uh, by chance when I visited Paralympic Games, which were held in Moscow in 2014, and I went there actually uh, because uh, everyone was so excited about the Olympic Games, and when you leave in the same country where Olympic Games are held, you really feel this this excitement, and I was just. 
it was too late to go to Olympic Games, so we decided to go, okay, there will be Paralympic Games after this, let's go. And also I was a journalist this time, so actually this kind of topic around social things and sports with people with disabilities was interesting for me, but I didn't know anything about this. So when I went to Paralympic Games, uh, I felt like a spectrum of emotions from um, from different emotions, from being shocked, being sad, being inspired and everything which I know now is not good. Uh, but this time, um, even though I was in social journalism and everything, I felt this all and just seeing people, I always um, give this example, like, can you imagine blind, totally blind people, uh, mount skiing, like in a not just in the mountains skiing uh, or people on snowboards that are uh, going down the hill and then when they put out their snowboard they just barely walk so it was for me it was very impressive and uh, at the same time for example sledge hockey which is uh, Paralympic style of hockey when people uh, play in sledges uh, I was in the the building where all that happened it was so exciting because it was there was no difference between what you feel in a stadium in like I don't know here in Arkansas (laughs) or what you feel looking at sledge hockey so it's not like you come to I don't know to do social thing or charity Mm -hmm. or something it's really cool so after that I started to think about this and my first question was why I've never heard about this before why I've never seen this and I started to um, I decided to promote sports for people with disabilities and so this is how the journey started but it took me several years to go through all the understanding that actually I'm not helping people with disabilities but I'm in a lot uh, responsible to help us people without disabilities to change our perceptions about people with disabilities and this is really important. So I want to go back to one thing that you said. You talked about how like you kind of felt sad and you shouldn't feel that way. And I asked this question because I've heard this story from you before. And can you tell it that way, like what you were feeling in that moment? And like, because um, I remember you told me this story about seeing someone ski down the mountain. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? How I, how I feel it when I saw this for yeah, the first time? Like, how, what you felt when you saw it and then why... Why was that emotion that you isolated? Like, why was that a bad emotion? Yeah, I think first of all, because we do not really meet people with disabilities a lot in, in just uh, casual life, and especially in this kind of sports or something really, I don't know, sp- sports, <laughs> you do not expect to meet people with physical or mental illnesses in sports, which is like competitive thing and a lot about your strength and everything. And so, um, I remember about this uh, seeing a guy on a snowboard that, as I said, after he was without snowboard, he needed help just to walk. But he was, when he was snowboarding, he looked just like like any uh, of us could look. Mm-hmm. So he, there were no problems when he was snowboarding. And so at this point, I think um, I just, at some point I just started to cry, I just to be honest, and I started to cry. And my friend said, you know that you're, 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 you're wrong because this person, he's sportsman, he's doing sports. And now he will see a girl staying in a stadium, looking at him in the Paralympic games and crying. Can you imagine what he will feel? And I understood that, yeah, this yeah. is this is wrong. But it took me really a long time because I started to work in this topic because I thought that I can help, I can promote. And as I said, I was a journalist. And then I understood that um, it's that inclusion and in general these things, it's not about, um, you cannot come and help maybe people. I think that usually 
those people uh, who minorities they have to do something about their rights by themselves to fight for their rights by themselves but um, I am as a let's say majority uh, I'm not a marginalized group in any way I also part of the society and it's not about inclusion it's not about including different people in our society it's about changing our understanding of the society and building it together in you one equal and inclusive so I'm a participant of this society and even though I am not a person with disabilities I'm responsible for the society to be equal and even research which I'm doing as a public health student shows that uh, one of the main reasons why people with disabilities are not involved in sports is that because of um, negative perceptions negative attitude of people without disabilities mm -hmm. which so it's a barrier for them. So we are, cannot say that it's not our thing, it's not our business, it's just, it's, it's ours. Yeah, that reminds me of last week's episode when we talked about human-centered design, especially right. in like developing countries. Mm -hmm. You can't go in there and, you know, change everything to the way that it is in maybe a developed country because that's not what it needs to be, right? right? And they have yeah. needs that are different than people, other people, and so you go in with that savior, savior mentality, and that doesn't really work. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. This is, this is important to understand, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm interested in, um, you know, Samia, you, you're also working in inclusion and working on, like, equity and equality in the field that you're working in. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, I... I, I would just like to first say that I'm so glad that you talked, Olga, that you talked about like your, the journey that you took to realizing how problematic that our mindset towards like minorities can be. Um, I'm really, really glad that you spoke about that just cause like, I think it is really important that we don't just like pat people on the back for saying like, oh, we should definitely like promote inclusivity, but making sure that they go about it in a way that's respectful of people and not like patronizing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, inclusion and diversity has been something that I, it's, it's something that I have to deal with, being a woman of color and a visibly Muslim woman. Um, it, it just, like it, it doesn't make sense for me to not do something about it, which is, what led the like mindset that led me to being in the associate student government as their co-director for diversity and inclusion for two years um working on political campaigns reaching out to minorities within the northwest arkansas community and people that just aren't reached out to by campaigns as often or ever really um and then now in the senior design project it's just something like a mindset that's really permeated almost every part of my like college experience because it's not really an option for me not to address it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a really interesting opportunity last semester, I think I saw in the Newswire. Uh, you got mm -hmm. to go to the American Institute for Medical and Biological <laughs> Engineering Public Policy Institute. So yeah. Lots of words, but <laughs> yeah. a little bit about what that is. Yeah, so basically it's an institute that was actually brought to my attention by my research advisor, Dr. Raj Rao. Um, and it's basically an institute for people who are, as you mentioned, uh, in the medical or biological engineering field, which can include anything in that umbrella. It's a pretty broad spectrum of scientists and engineers and researchers. Um, so for the most part, this conference was both introducing people 
who are current undergrad or graduate students in one of these engineering fields to opportunities to get involved with the government or with public policy or NGO jobs after they graduate, as well as um, kind of demonstrating ways that they can be advocates for public policy um, and science-derived public policy in their current positions at their labs or like at their academic institutions. Um, and the thing that I really loved about the conference is it kind of like reframed the way that we think about scientists being involved, like scientists electing to be involved in public policy and challenging us to think about advocating for data-driven policy as like the final step of the scientific process, which I'm sure like we've all learned about like at least a dozen times in school. <laughs> um, so I really love that they challenged us to think about it in that way as like our work isn't really truly done until we like see it codified. Hmm. I, I really like that because, you know, a lot of times you have the perception of science or scientists as, you know, doing a lot of the research and, mm -hmm. you know, publishing findings, but then what's done with those findings is usually someone else's job, right? Yeah. And so I really like how it's, you know, you have to finish the whole process and yeah. go all the way through. Yeah, it kind of like forces us to take on the responsibility of saying like, we can't just trust that people will, we can't just trust that people will trust science because as we've seen, that's becoming less and less of a constant nowadays. Um, and we also can't trust that people will be able to publish policy based on how we intended for that data to be used. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you've had a lot of experience with, um, you know, healthcare in that regard. So mm -hmm. a question for both of you. One of the things that we're talking about on this episode is health equity versus equality. Um, so that's, those are two terms mm -hmm. that are really thrown out a lot. Um, you know, there's this picture that I always see whenever I ever see, like, e equity versus equality and yeah. the people standing on the boxes yeah. at the yeah. baseball game. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit about what the difference is between those two, what they are, um, and just what that looks like? Yes, sir. <laughs> um, I guess uh, it's easiest for me to talk about this with regards to my current senior design project. Um, Broadly, equality is the. F I, I guess. I guess. It's difficult to to want to strive towards equality because that's not something that's really in our control. Like mm -hmm. making sure that there's enough of this type of person and this type of person. Um, definitely, I think that we should strive to make our like healthcare systems re uh, represent the like. The equality that we see in our communities but I don't think that like it, it, it's something that we need to be aware of if it's being represented or misrepresented but it's not something that you can change really from like a grassroots perspective whereas equity is trying to make sure that like regardless of like how small of a minority a person comes from that they're being given access to care just as well as someone who's from the majority would be able to mm -hmm. receive access to care mm -hmm. um so that's how I sort of mm -hmm. perceive it. Yeah, I would say that it's, uh, from my perspective, equity is something is a, in the mindset again. So equality is more about ex access to resources, to, I don't know, everything that is needed for healthcare. And equality is more about maybe how people um, see each other and how do they, uh, the attitude to, of others. So it's, uh, as I see it, yeah, from my perspective, it's more about 
our our relationships and our attitude to people. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're ta- you're both talking about it kind of related to like an outcome. Yeah. Right? Like equality is the outcome. Yeah. Equity seems more of like the work. Basics. Mm-hmm. Basics. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't know how accurate that is, but that that's kind of what I'm getting. That's kind mm-hmm. of what I'm getting from that, which I think is a really interesting perspective. Like thinking of equality and like how we view each other and like as the result of something that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you've when you've worked with the um, like Marshallese population with your senior design project or whatever, whatever yeah, it's that's it. You got <laughs> it <Cool>. right. <laughs> um, what have you seen in this experience? Have you what have you learned from uh, interacting with these people? Like their access to health. Yeah. Uh, what have you seen in there? The main problem that we're trying to uh, address with our project is the language barrier between healthcare providers and the Marshallese population. Um, Springdale is actually the second large, has the second largest population of Marshallese Americans other than Hawaii. Um, and so we're in a really unique place where these people, like the, this population is bringing so much to our community and we're just not really recognizing them, not really giving them access to care as everyone else gets access to care. And it's really like, like it's definitely unfair is like the, the least of how I would describe it. Um, So when I was shadowing at the UAMS Northwest Internal Medicine Clinic uh, my junior year in the clinical needs class, um, I was able to sort of observe multiple different appointments where uh, doctors, like white English-speaking doctors, would be seeing Marshallese patients and they would just be like, um, like it's difficult for them to on a base level just to communicate like what needs to be done between doctor's visits. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in the Marshallese community um, suffer from diabetes. So like uh, at the UAMS Northwest Internal Medicine Clinic, they have them fill out these charts between between, uh, appointments where they fill out like their blood sugar levels and like a few different parameters uh, about once or twice a day. And it's difficult to communicate these needs to the Marshallese patients. It's difficult for Marshallese patients to fill out a form that's in English. Like that's just a basic one, you know, that the form is not available in Marshallese. Um, So all of these sort of like little things that compound to like a, like it compounds to an effect that, that is basically just like the healthcare providers are not able to provide accurate care because they're not really sure of the scope of the problem. Mm-hmm. So what what problem is your senior design project tackling then? Is it communication? Is it Yeah, so we are focusing on two things, trying to get a um, app that will be able to translate the first few questions that you get in a doctor's office visit, which are pretty much standard every time you go there. We're working with a student at UAMS right now to get a list of questions and like basic answers that would specifically be asked and answered by people dealing with diabetes mm. in a internal medicine appointment. And then we're also, the second part of the app is um, providing reminders for medications, for appointments, and for filling out those sort of charts that would then also be available in Marshallese translations on the app itself. Uh-huh. Um, so trying to deal with both the appointment side of things as well as like between appointments, the care and like the data tracking that mm-hmm. needs to be done. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's and awesome. It, yeah, it seems like that sh- should have been something that has been, you know, completed or done by now but. It's, yeah. it's weird yeah it's weird how, like i don't know it's weird like going in there and 
asking the doctors like is it difficult is it difficult like giving accurate care if you don't have any of these sheets like don't have the data right. between because that's like you only see doctors for like 15 minutes but like you're dealing with this ailment like your whole life yeah, yeah like absolutely. they can't really get an accurate picture of what to do how to treat you if they're only seeing you like an at an instantaneous snapshot of your disease progression right, right. And then so, it's not even an efficient communication between yeah, the two and it's, in it's, a short period of time. It's really difficult because, like, Marshallese is not available on Google Translate. Like, there's mm-hmm. not really any. <laughs> there's, like, yeah, we've, done a, <laughs> we've done a lot of, like, review to see, like, what's out there currently and, like, basically nothing with regards to, like, Marshallese translation. Obviously, for, like, diabetes tracking, there's anything under the sun you can think mm-hmm. of in English. Right. Um, but the only app available for like translations is a Marshallese dictionary right now, wow. which is definitely That's... not. Do you know why that is? Um, I think the only reason that I can think of is that it's just not a large enough population to merit the, to like, right. for people right. to perceive a need for it, especially on like mainstream apps like Google Translate. That's the only reason I can think of. Hmm. Um, Wow. Is it possible to talk to Google about this? I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah. somebody needs to talk to yeah. Google. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe work they will. On this. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's something you can bring to their attention. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm curious, Olga, in your project too, kind of what what are like some of the health and healthcare disparities that you've seen? Like, what has your experience kind of taught you? What lessons that you've learned? Yeah. Uh, so, if talking about sports, um, it in general people with disabilities and sports, this is a multi-layer problem because I, as I started with solving informational gaps, so just people don't know about opportunities, they can find it. Uh, I realized that it's not enough for people to get engaged because um, the problem of transportation, for example, is a huge barrier uh, in, for different people and different types of disabilities, starting from physical disabilities and people can just physically drive by themselves, especially in the US, you're always driving here. Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. Moscow, for example, we have a very, uh, we have huge um, like network of different transportation, but it's still, for example, metro, you cannot go and because of the stairs, because of uh, a, a lot of unaccessible uh, environment uh, and um, so transportation and how people who know about their opportunities and who do who want to join how do they get to these places this was the second question and so working on this then we also understand that uh, beside it there are also personal perceptions of people about their ability to do sports and how do they perceive and do they have enough self-efficacy to join sport clubs. So these are a lot of different, different problems that should be solved separately, but also like one Mm -hmm. big problem. Um, So yeah, engagement in sports is important also, not just um, health issue because um, sports and why I personally work with sports uh, because sports is not only about physical and mental health. It's obvious that it is, but it's not only. And there is research showing that sports uh, help uh, people with disabilities to engage with the community because you, obviously you make connections, right. you interact with other people. Uh, also, there is interesting research that even level and quality of employment has risen among people who were active in sports. So sports is just thing that, uh, as I see and I believe, solves a lot of problems. Uh, it's hard to to bring sports, let's say, to everyone and to, to, to reach these inclusive sports and everything, but it will solve a lot of problems at the same time. 
community engagement, health, uh, physical and mental health, um, employment level, just everything and quality of life and everything. So that's why sport is something what I'm working on. So it's mm-hmm. not only physical health. Right. So it's also like community building and exactly. It sounds like you're tackling a lot of a lot of problems. Yes. <laughs> uh, a lot. Um, but same sport ultimately. Just to, I just want to get a, a synopsis of, of what the thing is. Is more of a platform that makes that solves these problems by making these connections. Is that am I yeah, correct ba- in thinking it? Yeah. Basically, first of all, we want to build uh, website, uh, a map, and this kind of network so that people can uh, just actually building a network, and then uh, we discuss different types of next stage. What can we do to make this inclusion happen? Uh, because it's something um, there. Are, there are not a lot of inclusive clubs. They are, but still, uh, again, the thing there is that inclusion inclusive club for example is not only to uh, help people with disabilities to get to the club to want to be a part of it and to feel self-efficacy to participate but it's also about people without disabilities who are participating in this and this is my focus area I'm trying to understand how how to provide this inclusion from both parts mm-hmm. not only for people with disabilities uh, yeah and basically this is a platform uh, with profiles and we discuss several options to maybe uh, to make some kind of verification certification of places so that like with the same sport logo this place yeah. is certified is accessible as inclusive and to help also these clubs to um, uh, to attract people and to like to, to make to become a brand which will represent inclusivity also we thought about um, for example, wheelchair basketball is very, and we have it in University of Arkansas, if you don't know, come on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. Uh, so Wait, Wednesdays 5 o'clock here Wednesday at the University of Arkansas? Yeah, yeah, okay. for everyone, this is super cool. Uh, so this looks like a very good pilot sport that could engage people with other disabilities because you just come and sit in a wheelchair and it doesn't matter if you have a disability and what kind of disability. I think only maybe uh, people with visual impairments cannot participate, but all other types of disabilities, a lot of people with disabilities and other people without disabilities can participate just coming together, sitting and playing. And most people in our wheelchair basketball club here are without disabilities. So it's also actually a good sign. So and this yeah. is how how change happens. So also we thought about maybe uh, having this kind of pilot sport that we can bring to many places just to start engaging mm-hmm. people and trying to make them see, as you said about tennis, mm-hmm. that is just another sport and actually so you can also play it and um, there are a lot of options but we should start with something right. and that was that's why we start with this database network and then when we have network we have people it would be easier to work with this uh, in the future to mm-hmm. understand what we can do uh, so that we can come to gyms to clubs and say we have people they are active they want to participate so we can help you to connect we can help you with accessibility and everything so yeah, basically it's a platform, but with some more... Uh, more involved than um, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you've played wheelchair basketball, right? I do, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I try to go every Wednesday, not going every Wednesday, but I also bring my friends. So I think I brought like three people already. So maybe you will be three more people. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. It just sounds really yeah. challenging because I... It's like a basketball. Oh yeah, and if it's anything like wheelchair tennis, it is hard. <laughs> yeah, it is, is hard. That open to is anyone? Hard. Of course. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, okay. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So people, first of all, uh, 
the first people say like, I don't know how to play, but of course you don't know, just come. <laughs> and this is the first, the right. difficult thing just to make this. And then people go after they leave, they, after the game, they say, it's awesome. I want to, I want to go there with you on Wednesday. So, so it's, it's really, this is the thing. This is how perceptions change. And th this is just uh, how uh, even your perceptions about wheelchair change so it's not something a symbol of something horrible because people when we see to be honest when we see people with disabilities we feel all the feelings we feel just because we think oh my god if it happened to me how sad would i be uh, something like this but it's i mean people live their life they just uh, it's it's it should be it should be some, something to change in our mindset and the only thing i believe the best thing how we can make this change is to just make these connections make people talk to each other see each other just just connections one day you play with someone and you are like friends or and then you will not next time you will see a person on a wheelchair let's say you will not think the same as you thought before you had any connection right. so sports is a way to connect to connect on equal terms and in an entertainment, uh, easy, funny way. Is it? That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, I really like that. Because I think, I, I, think every, I think most of our listeners will identify a little bit with that feeling of like feeling that, uh, the pity that you said you felt sure. right in the beginning when you were at the Paralympics. I think people will identify with that feeling and I think it's great to bring an awareness to how that feeling is problematic. Mm -hmm. and just how it might be problematic and what we can, that it's the, it's our mindset, often able-bodied people's mindset that, that poses the challenge. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's normal to think, to feel it. We just, it's nothing, I mean, basically it's wrong, but it's normal <laughs> that we feel it. So right. we just have to not to be afraid of it and not to be afraid of this communication, this first connection, because it requires just, I think, one maybe, one game in wheelchair basketball with other guys just one interaction and it would be enough to start at least thinking in a different way so this is just come it's like overcoming your own fear right mm -hmm. so you said you started this in russia is that correct uh the, yeah the platform is working in russia now in okay. moscow and we have a, almost 100 clubs there wow. so actually and this is what <laughs> the thing because at first when I started to be interested in sports for people with disabilities I was thinking okay we should start something not Paralympic level professional level, but something for like more recreational for more general population and I started to get deep in this topic and I found out that there are a lot of clubs exist so and this is why I decided to make a database because there are clubs mm -hmm. and there are people mm -hmm. so just just it was obvious obvious gap I'm curious if you found anything particularly challenging here trying to recreate that system here versus creating it in Russia are there any like new challenges that you face or anything different in terms of like getting buy-in or or do the challenges and the learnings seem the same I think this the community is very nice there so I talked a lot with a lot of as opposed uh, to <laughs> With a lot of organizations which work with people with disabilities and with some people themselves and relatives. And so I see that everyone is really eager to do something to help. So just, the, I don't know, the same problem, just connection. Because, of course, if you're a big organization, you're working with your clients on your specific topic, you cannot do everything. So this is what I'm doing. I'm not trying to create something new to establish an organization or do something. I just want to 
take all these parts that exist already and to connect them mm-hmm. with each other so that the effect and the like, uh, win-win for everyone and the problem will be solved or at least trying we'll try to solve <laughs> right. it so yeah i think the um, the same uh, barrier here is, is the same in moscow is the transportation but in a different way because as i said we have transportation which is not accessible but we have it and here we just don't have public transportation so cars are only way to uh, come to one place from one place to another so this is kind of the same problem but a little bit different perspective mm-hmm. but in general i think the main thing again is is people and if people want to to uh, contribute to work to work together to do something this is this is the most important thing other things they can be solved together mm. yeah that's really interesting what was your uh what was your impression from playing wheelchair tennis before <laughs> and after so before i was like oh this this won't be too bad you know it's just like tennis but you know it's same this it's pretty much the same game only the ball can bounce twice instead because okay. you know it takes it takes longer to get to hit the ball after playing it it's very difficult i was very bad <laughs> at it but it was really fun because it's, it's an entirely different game and that's that's what i didn't really realize beforehand mm-hmm. it's like oh it's just like tennis but you're you're sitting down in, in a wheelchair and it's it's entirely different you approach the game very differently and it i actually had more fun doing that because you know the wheelchairs they have like slanted yeah. wheels so they move really fast mm-hmm. that's i was like oh this is just going to be normal you know it's going to be hard to push but they move really fast and it was a lot um, a lot more fun than i thought it would be mm. so i'm definitely i definitely want to try it out again sometime. yeah <laughs> yeah this is also interesting if people with disabilities can beat you in this sport oh yeah <laughs> so you oh they can <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> really yeah yeah so samia you talked a little bit about um your involvement with asg and especially mm-hmm. uh, with different political organizations um one thing we hear probably in the news a lot about healthcare, mm-hmm. um, especially with an election coming up. Can you talk a little bit about, um, for listeners that may not be exactly um, aware of what's really being decided in politics about healthcare, what what is the topic that everyone's talking about? So recently, people the like buzz policy proposal is Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. Um, which is currently actually a bill making its way through the House right now um, that was proposed by Senator Bernie Sanders and Representative Ilhan Omar in the Senate and House, uh, respectively. Um, And basically, Medicare for All, as the name implies, it's expanding the current Medicare system, which is a a healthcare system or healthcare administration system that's being administered by the United States government for people over the age of 65 and just expanding that to all citizens and basically modeling it after the National Health Service that's in the United Kingdom right now um, and giving us single payer health care. Um, as far as, it, it's, it's, I've actually like literally spoken to voters who like don't even want to talk about health care because they're like, I just don't get it. I know I'm not going to get it. I don't even want to talk about it because I know I don't understand it. And it's complex. Like, it's hard. It's difficult to, like, wrap your head around the, the like, nitty-gritty policy aspects of it. But I think that what voters don't understand is just their instincts, like, their opinions, what they feel they deserve, and, like, their, um, like, like, they don't have to be a they don't have to have a doctorate in like public policy administration or public health they just have to know like how does 
finding health insurance affect me in my daily life? How do I think that the government can help alleviate some of that pain? Um, so it's difficult to like convince voters of the power that they have. And I've actually had to deal with that struggle canvassing door to door for um, different state candidates. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard like bridge to cross with kind people. Of, it reminds me of kind of like what we were talking about earlier with the perception of something. Yeah, it seems like healthcare. No matter what your belief is, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to change your perception or really um, understand mm-hmm. that the perception of healthcare is really the barrier that a lot of people are facing because yeah. everyone knows it's a super complex system. So they're mm-hmm. like, it would take a lot of work to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why change it? Like. There's, there's no benefit, it's just going to take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really interesting how you can kind of equate the two perceptions of something. What mm-hmm. would you say to students, I think, who, are, who struggle with understanding the topic? Because I think for most, for a lot of younger students, some of them mm-hmm. might be on their parents' health care if they are privileged enough to have health care. Others might not have health care at all. Like, mm-hmm. how, like, what would you, what advice would you give them as far as, like, how to investigate this topic or how to learn more about it or understand what they're, one, what, why it might be important to look into it, um, but how they could get more information? Yeah, so definitely going, for people that don't have health insurance, going to healthcare.gov um, is a part of the Affordable Care Act that was uh, introduced under the Obama administration. Um, and there you can actually buy health care through the government um, and you don't have to rely on like an employer or your parents to like be able to provide insurance. So definitely checking that resource out. Um, for people who are interested in like the different candidates policies, I would recommend just skipping all the debates, like skipping, <laughs> skipping all of the like town halls, just going straight to their websites and looking up their policy platforms. It takes like a tenth as much time and I it's so much easier to get straight to like the truth of what they're trying to propose instead of like listen to two people try and like fight it out while also (laughs) introducing like 10 other issues Yeah. yeah um so those would be my two main suggestions but then I also like really invite people to rethink their perception of the government as like something they have to fight against to get what they want and think of it more as like a tool to make your lives better like ideally that's what a democratic government should be and i think that america's always tried to like veer towards that towards that ideology and um just trying to rethink the government as something that's supposed to be helping you not something not a like institution that's taking away your money and then like you never see it again Yeah, once again, just changing your perception, right? Yeah. You, you can change your perception. I think that's one thing that we, I, we've we learned today is that mm-hmm. your perceptions don't have to stay the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is not a bad thing to change your perceptions, right? I mean, it happens to everyone. Yeah. It's it's normal. Definitely so. as, like, you educate yourself and, like, you begin to understand the perceptions of the people that you had never thought to, like, get involved with before I think that's that's like I I just love that your idea Olga is about like bringing people together instead of just like uh, sort of making extra space for people that weren't previously invited to the table before Mm -hmm. I want to sort of wrap up by talking about what your next steps are 
Uh, I think this is a two-part question. What are the ne next steps for your project? And then, like, what are the next steps for you? Like, you guys are clearly working on things that matter, um, that have a huge community impact. So I'm curious, like, where you want to take that for yourself in terms of career or personal uh, moves or passions. That was um, a really long-winded way <laughs> of saying, what next? <laughs> um, well, for our project, we're currently in the um, uh, design coding process, and thank God there's someone on my team that knows how to code. <laughs> they can do that. I do not, and I will probably never, ever learn how. Um, so we're right now just building the, uh, the like, background, like, functionality of the app, and then, like, later on I'll actually get to help with the interfacing, something that I can actually like wrap my head around. <laughs> um, and then once we finish that up in about a month, then we'll actually start trying to find uh, Marshallese patients that have like Androids, because we're only working with Android apps right now, um, who would be willing to like uh, take it out on a test drive and see how it works. Um, and just be able to observe, like, if it's making uh, patient experiences in healthcare and doctor experiences better and how we can be further improving it. Um, so, yeah, exciting okay. stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's your project. So yes. what about you? Like, what... So, what do you want to do with all of this public policy and biomedical? Yeah. Which to me is a very interesting mirroring of yeah. two things. I actually, so like, I, my whole college career up until last year, I was like, how do I even, like, how do I integrate both of these things, like politics and policy, as well as like science and healthcare that I love so much? Um, and it wasn't until I worked on uh, now Representative Denise Garner's campaign that I was able to meet someone that is doing just that. Um, her husband, Dr. Hershey Garner, is in it. He's an oncologist that works in Rogers and Fayetteville. Um, and he actually helped uh, write the Affordable Care Act with Obama. And like, that just blew my mind that that was like a job that someone could have. So um, after college, I will be taking a couple of years off to work in DC. Um, and uh, like either in the Department of Health and Human Services or on campaigns uh, federal, nationally. Um, and then eventually, hopefully, going to med school if I get in. Yeah. Um, and then further pursuing that sort of dream job where I'm practicing medicine, but then also advising on like um, different health care and health uh, insurance policies. That's awesome. I, I just want to point out for student listeners how important it is to integrate your passions with your mm -hmm. career goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you're doing something that you love, it doesn't really feel like work. Yeah. I know that because I do what I love, but, <laughs> and you're also seeking that out. And I think that's a common struggle that students have. Like, here's this thing that I love, and then here's this career on the side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But really, you should be mm -hmm. actively working as a student to figure out how you can make those yeah. things intersect because you're going to be a lot happier. Um, if you're doing something that you're really passionate about. Mm -hmm. I think it, that's rare, and it, it's really lucky when you find it, and I'm really pumped to hear that you've I was just like, like when he said that, the first because I knew he was a doctor. Denise right. Garner is a retired uh, onco oncological nurse, uh -huh. I think is how you say it, but um, oncology nurse. Um, so like when he said that, I was just like, like literally floored that that yeah. was an option. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, so I was just really lucky that I was able to make that connection. Yeah, and awesome. we've, we've talked a lot about, inter, you know, interdisciplinary knowledge yeah. and everything. And I think it's really, that shows that just because you have a major in something doesn't mean that you're, you know, pigeonholed to the exact mm-hmm. stereotype or whatever of that major. Right. There's a lot of times yeah. you can use that knowledge to, you know, help bring some, something else to the table in something yeah. else or marry two different ideas right. together. Or mm-hmm. carve out a space for exactly. yourself if it yeah. does make it up if it doesn't exactly. work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Well, all that yeah. Your <laughs> yeah. <next>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to say that it's great to, I think, idea to try to mix biomedical and public policy things mm-hmm. because I, I think I really believe that uh, real new solutions are in this very uh, somebody would say weird approaches, but I, I believe in this. I'm also trying to mix public health and research in health field with business because I'm working a lot in social entrepreneurship hub here. And people always tell me like, where is business there? You're not profit, you're not profit. Yeah. And, but I'm saying, no, there is. And uh, answering like why I want it to be social business is that because I believe that in this, uh, it's, I, I don't like that uh, these topics are only nonprofits. Mm-hmm. I think that when it's business, business approach helps to keep it more effective to, uh, to feed real needs of people. So if you're not doing something that is needed, then your, your business is like, uh, um, you're not, you cannot do business. Mm-hmm. So it makes us, um, look differently in these topics and find real working things. So this is why I want to mix and I like that uh, speaking in front of like pitching in front of investors, I receive a lot of sharp questions like, who needs it? Like, to be honest, we should make inclusive society, but why? Who needs it? And I like these questions because I go and do research and trying to understand, like, what are the benefits for people, let's say, in my case, what are the benefits for people without disabilities to be in inclusive society with people with disabilities? So just if we are not talking about being kind and everything, just what is the benefit? Because if it's not a benefit, people will not do it. So this is really cool how other fields can help us to open new perspective of the solutions we can app- we can apply. And these solutions, I believe they will be change makers because they are difficult, they are challenging and everything, but this is, this is something new. Yeah, so, oh my God, I didn't answer the question. <laughs> I didn't answer the question, just, no, just like, like the, yeah. <laughs> I love that mindset towards like challenging questions like that. Because if I got a question like that, I would have to like, stop myself from seeing red like why are you even asking why it's good to have inclusive societies right right so i like that you spin it in a positive way for but, but it's true yeah if you're yes people yes it's true it, it's it's very useful for to hear these questions mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. useful because if i will have these answers so it will make the project more like strong and mm-hmm. more uh, and it will work it will real work because there will be benefits for everyone and so yeah <laughs> that is really a really interesting way of thinking about it because I think this is exactly what working in interdisciplinary spaces does for you. It says, okay, if I'm in the humanities, of course, all those questions of inclusivity are going to matter to me theoretically and, and just kind of automatically based yeah. on the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in some time, and I, I don't think that all businesses just like, what's the bottom line, what's the profit? But part of that mindset of like, how can you make a profit off of this, like what's the bottom line benefit, and you push those two things together and you're gonna have a project that's probably 10 times stronger than what it would have been if you only had one approach. Right. And I like, you're talking <clears throat> about social enterprise, right? Yeah. This idea of, of mm-hmm. you know, instead of a nonprofit, let's 
make money and make a profit, and then we can turn those profits Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. into the community and back into uh, the people who it's benefiting. And I think that's what the social entrepreneurship um, really focuses on. So Olga and I met initially in the Social Innovation Challenge with the Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, um, and I heard her project... Uh, but since then, you've got a lot of traction. You were in the Arkansas, um, what is it called? The Arkansas Business. Business. Yeah, I can't remember the. Oh, like, I saw an article in Startup Junkie. Yeah, I yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the thing, but um, you were in this article, um, and I've kind of been reading a little bit about it from other spaces, which I think is really awesome. Uh, so I want to ask you, like, what is next for your project? Like, what's the next thing you're mm-hmm. going to do? Yeah, so uh, short-term uh, purpose is to launch database in Arkansas. Mid-term is to launch it in other countries or other states. Long-term is to make it a worldwide platform. And with uh, with these other programs, which will bring inclusivity, not just database, but this working model that we're looking for to provide inclusion, because this is, as I said, the main thing. Uh, and personally, I I think I do, I'm growing with the project, so it's not only I'm trying to make it bigger and uh, d- develop the project, but the project makes me grow uh, a lot. And I think finally here in this university, when mixing my uh, degree, because it's my second master's and actually I had uh, I already worked and I thought that I'm in my place, but I was thinking that something is wrong. So I've, now I can say that I'm in my place uh, with all this experience I had. It was useful anyway. And now working as a student, making research, doing research and working with the project and with uh, social innovation office, which helps a lot just to, uh, to understand yourself. And as you said, to find something you really like among everything you're doing. So now all the different parts of my life are connected and now I'm like with my project, I'm growing, I'm changing. And so I think I will like, I'm, I will also grow in, with, with, the, with the growth of my project. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. You're right, it was Startup Junkie. So I, yeah. I want to mention that because I want to know where people can find, uh, it was at startupjunkie.org and there's a whole article about Olga and the project that she's working on, which is called Same Sport. <laughs> So you should check it out if you get a chance. Um, I just want to make sure I made that correction because I, I think I had it confused with a different journal in Arkansas or a different source. But. Because Arkansas just uh, also published it, the same article. Yeah, okay, Arkansas that was, magazine that, or something. Yeah, money, business, something. And it's like money, business, talk, Arkansas, something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called, but uh, we'll make that correction uh, in the link. We'll put a link to it. So. Awesome. Well, you both have fantastic projects, and I wish you the best of luck. You're really doing amazing work here in the community. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, and best of luck with everything in the future. Thank you. Thank you you for having us.